All summer, Triple M rocks the ashes. Bombs away. What a catch! He's taking a blinder! And it wouldn't be Triple M cricket without the banter. Got a new ball that came back as some of that sandpaper all over. <laughs> as Australia and England fight for the urn, these guys will have everything covered. I'm here for insightful thinking of the game. For Cooper's Mar Ale, the best mid-strength beer that tastes like a full strength, this is Willow Talk. For Cooper's Mild Ale, Triple M rocks the Ashes. Here we go. First ball of the Ashes series. Day one in Brisbane. And Starkey's got the brand new Kookaburra, Rory Burns, to face. Listen to the noise. It's a short ball, top-edged away, unconvincingly. Hazelwood does it again. Cummins has five, and England have been rolled. Begins his ninth over a whitish ball. Cut away by Labuschagne. See you later. That's another boundary. 50. Manus Labuschagne brings up his fifth Ashes 50. There's the 50. It's been... An eventful half-century for Dave Warner, but he gets there. He's waiting. Head. Just down the track. Gets it past it on. Oh, stand up and applaud. That is a magnificent access century from Travis Head. Next ball is flat. That's pulled away forward of square. Found the gap. This will be Root's 50. And for the seventh time, Joe Root has a half-century against Australia. Three there for Milan, and that brings up a, a very good half-century from him. Again, performing on Australian soil. That might be squeezed. I reckon it is. And Milan's got to go for 82. And the goat's got his 400. That comes green. Oh, no. No. Edged and gone. The massive wicket of Joe Root has been claimed by Cam Green. Is caught. Ropes backs away. Tries to help it over the slips. Gets an outside edge. And it's taken by Carey. England. Two for 220. Have gone to all out 297. Got the ball. Ball and driven. This could be it. Doesn't make the way to the fence. Runs away down towards the boundary. There it is. The bat of Marcus Harris. There it is indeed. <laughs> oh, yes. Australia go up one nil in the ashes. Harris pumps the air. The pond, the heads are dropping. We're one nil up. For Cooper's Mild Ale, Triple M rocks the ashes. Liam Flanagan here, joined by Gus Wallen for Willow Talk. And Gus, the only thing better than sitting through five days of Australia smashing England <laughs> is when you break it down into that two-minute package and you get to relive all the moments in their glory again. Exactly exactly right. And we've got a day off as well. We knocked him over in four, even with all the extensions with the loss of play on day one. Yeah, they got it done, and they got it done in the end very, very well, Australia. And they go to Adelaide now, 1-0. Lots to talk about mm. today, Liam. We've got three wonderful guests. We've yes. got Tubby Taylor. We've got Izzy Westbury. We'll get to know her a little bit better. Yeah. Um, the English Rose amongst many thorns in that Triple M cricket box, and then of course Hads is going to have a chat to us as well. How how do you feel? We've got Mark Taylor standing by. I know he's the former captain of our Test team, but I'm mm. going to put him on hold for a moment because oh. I want to know how you feel off the back of your performance in the first Test. Oh look, I how do you think you went? I had my ups and downs, big mm. fella. But you know, at the end of the day, I had a good time. Good. Dan got all the big moments. Oh. You know, not that not that you know. Not who's counting exactly. You but are. have a look at the package <laughs> that just got played out. The big fella's like he did the entire thing himself. But no, hey. Dan did a fantastic job. Obviously, a, a legendary 
rugby league caller, but uh, sometimes you get those big moments, the 50s and the 100s and the big moments. But you know what? The team got along really well. It was strange being down in Melbourne calling a match in Brisbane. Uh, I was on, actually on air for about 11 minutes watching it through an iPad because we lost all yeah, coverage and so forth. Yeah, didn't it? So, you know, I think we did a great job as a team and just cannot wait to move on to Adelaide now. And uh, it's great that Triple M is rocking cricket again. Absolutely. And this man needs to be in the chair for the first ball of every test for the rest of the series <laughs> because when he sat there for the first ball at the Gabba alongside Greg Blewett and James Brayshaw, Mitchell Stark sent the stumps flying. We speak of the former test captain, Mark Tubby Taylor. G'day, Tubbs. G'day, how are you boys? You got me? Yeah, we got you, big fella. Thank, thanks so much for joining us on Willow Talk. How much did you enjoy being back in the commentary seat and doing some radio with Triple M? I absolutely loved it, Gus. Um, as I said to you at the time off here, I've, I've done a lot of chatting over about cricket issues over the last couple of years, and I'm, it was just a delight to get away from the issues around the game and actually just watch the game and call the game and, and live the game for a while, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, mate. Yeah, we had lots of fun and cannot wait. We'll be getting on the plane to get to Adelaide tomorrow, and that's very exciting. And let's talk about that second test, Tubbs, because there's so much controversy around it with selections and so forth. Warner may not play. We know Hazelwood is now out. And, of course, there's going to be a couple of changes, at least for England. How do you see the teams lining up for uh, test number two? Well, I think you're right. I, obviously, Josh is, is out, and I dare say Jai Richardson will play. Um, being the fourth man at the gallery, he's probably the one that's got to come straight in. Warner's the big one for Australia, though, because even though we didn't see the best of David Warner at the Gabba, he still made 94, and, and that's what good senior players can do. They they find a way to make runs even when they're not batting at their very best. So if Warner doesn't play, that would be a big blow for Australia. Um, for England, well, they've really thrown all their eggs in one basket. Um, they haven't played Broad or Anderson in the first test, so they've really got to play them now at the Adelaide Oval with this pink ball test, which they've sort of said was... You know, that's what they're targeting Anderson for. So they really need to obviously play both of them and they need to play well because if that plan doesn't work and Australia happened to win at the, at the Adelaide Oval, I think Australia will go on to win the series very, very comfortably. Toby, can you remember a series over the Ashes history where there's been such a definitive like series game plan like the England have rolled out here, essentially not sacrificing the first test, but very much saying, hey, we're putting most of our eggs in the basket for the second test. Yeah, very strange. Um, particularly, you know, Ashes series don't always, but, but often that first test of a series is, is vital. You win the first test. I, I don't have the stats here, but you'd, you'd win, well, probably 75%, maybe more of the series, of series played. So it's, it's a big game. Australia then win by nine wickets, and England aren't out of it by any means. But you are, as I said, putting now all your eggs in this basket for Adelaide Oval. Now, if Warren doesn't play, Hazel doesn't play, that's good news for England. But now they've got to get Broad and Anderson up. And I, I'm a little bit concerned about Anderson because, you know, there was talk before that first test about his about his um, calf muscle. Now, as we saw in the Ashes a couple of years ago, he bowled about three or four overs in the mm. first test and then broke down for the rest of the series. That's a classic old man injury. Old man. Yeah, it is. When you're 39 and you bowl quick, well, he's not overly quick, Jimmy, but he's a he's a fine, medium-fast bowler. you when you start getting calf injuries, they're always of concern because they can come back at any time. So from England's point of view, they need him to play, bowl well, and then I suppose they rest him again um, and get him ready for maybe for Sydney. Of course, another day-night test in Hobart to come, and that was obviously announced through the through the first test match as well. I think we all applauded that decision. Tubbs, to talk about leadership now with you, Cummins and, and Smith, that combination, um, 
seemed to take it to a duck to water, didn't he, old Cummins? Just amazing. How did you sort of see it through your eyes? Oh, look, he could not have had a better game, you know, both personally and as a leader. Firstly, he, he threw the coin the right way and put, and put Joe right under the bus. He had to make a decision about whether to bat or bowl, so he's... His coin-tossing ability was superb. To start with. <laughs> um, and then he didn't really put a foot wrong. And, oh, look, I've got to say, even that third day when England went from sort of two for 60 to two for 220 at stumps, um, in a way that did Australia a favour because it, Pat Cummins and Australia had to start thinking about ways of getting people out rather than just the ball moving off the seam or in the air. And eventually they found a way. I thought Cameron Green was a real... A revelation for Australia with the ball. He, he was better than I thought he was going to be. Mm. Nathan Lyon went from 399 test wickets to 403 in, in sort of about half an hour, which yeah. is often the way when you get a milestone out of the road. So a lot of positives came out of the fact that England fought back from an Australian point of view. Tubby, let's go back to Dave Warner for a moment because the reports I read is that he's set for a net session today to prove this fitness. Now, how does that work? Because... I know that you know there's a spinner's net and there's a there's a pace net and I if I was Dave Warner I'd be spending as much time in the spinner's net as possible. <laughs> yeah. But will will Justin Langer and Andrew McDonald and all the rest of them, will they have him in there facing Starkey, facing Cummins and and saying boys test it? Oh well, look, I think it's it's almost comes down to a, one of these sort of adult conversations you need to have. You know, with Davey's been around a long time now, so played played eighty odd test matches, so. He'll know how he's feeling. So, yes, they'll put him in the nets with the quicks for a while, but it, it, it's not as if they're going to try and run in there and hit him in the ribs. They'll get him you know, moving around a bit, and then at the end of it, they'll sit down with Davey and say, right, oh, mate, do you think you can play? And if need to, obviously, bat for a day. That's the bottom line. Um, because if he goes into the test match with an injury, and the answer to that question is, I'm not sure, well, then he can't play. But if he's, if he's sure he can play... Um, and, and he feels like he can bat for a day and field, I'm sure he will play because he's that important to Australia. And, and just as someone who's, who's opened the batting for Australia, just how much of an inconvenience is a bruised rib if you're opening the batting at test level? Well, I can tell you, Lee, I, I did have one many, many years ago and I was hit by one of the West Indies fast bowlers in the Caribbean and it, obviously it hurt at the time and I, I could still feel it months later when I got back to Australia. It's one of those ones where... Yeah, it's sort of, I, I don't know why, but it, it, the bruising or, or the impact doesn't seem to leave you within, you know, it's not like getting hit in the, in, in the thigh where you get this big sort of um, bruise and then two weeks later it sort of dissipates and it's gone. It tends to hang around there, so it will be inconvenient. I suppose the other thing we'll, they'll have to test is how his breathing goes, running between wickets, you know, putting the bat in, pushing off, turning twos into threes, that sort of stuff. So that, they'll test that, I dare say, today also. Ooh, fun day to be David Warner. <laughs> I tell you what, he's tough as tough as teak and he's fit as anything as well. But let's talk about the openers for a moment. Tubby, as you being one of the finest we've ever had, the fact is that you think that Kawaja is with the team, so he would come in for Davey Warner. But what about Harris? How many more opportunities do you think is he going to get? He scored the winning runs, but in that first innings he got out cheaply. Where do you think we sit with Harris and, 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 and maybe a replacement for him? Well, I, I think obviously that, They've given Harris two test matches, so this is a vital game for him. It will also be, um, depending on how Australia go, like if if, 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 if Marcus doesn't make, he does, probably doesn't need to make 100 in that, but a couple of, you know, or at least one tidy innings in this in this test match where he sees off the new ball and, and flourishes even probably a half century in a winning Australian side means he'd be retained. 
Because if Australia go 2 0 up, then it's easier to retain him. If mm. Australia lose and Harris misses out, then you know, then then you're looking at maybe a Kawaja or, you know, but then you've got to think, oh, if it's not Kawaja, who else is it going to be? Is it going to be a Henry Hunter or Bryce Street who played in the Australia A games? Mm. And you've got to then make a decision: is are they better players or will they be better players than Marcus Harris? And that's the big question. It's no point dropping someone. If you haven't got someone who you think's going to do a better job, yeah, exactly. Oh. Right. We're really good in Australia, aren't we? Of dropping <laughs> blokes and they go, oh, who who should we replace we them or sack a coach? But mate, I look forward to seeing you in the chairman's lounge tomorrow if you let me oh. in uh, at the airport. <laughs> don't, don't. See, I'm only in the Qantas club, but Tubbs in the you know the posh seat. He was so. the captain of the test team, oh, Gus. He can I'm, go where he wants. Totally, I totally understand <laughs> that. Right. But could he, could he throw me a bone? I mean, I'm hey, I'm, I'm hey, out hey. there with Jats crackers and bits of off cheese. Oh. Hey, William, Liam, I was interested with the, with the opening you had a moment ago. Mm-hmm. And you asked Gus the first question yes. about you know, the ups and downs of the uh, of the commentary box. Mm. I, I was waiting to hear a few ups from Gus oh. over the last four days. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why Mark Taylor is uh, thus far the star of the Triple M cricket coverage this summer. <laughs> because, he, you know, the momentum, Mitchell Stark felt him there in the commentary box and skittled the stumps. And now he's uh, just bringing Gus Wallen back down to where. So, hey... <laughs> Mark, a, a pleasure to have you on. We can't wait. You'll be there in the chair come Thursday for the first ball of the Adelaide Oval. Can't wait. Thanks, boys. And I'll, I'll throw you a cracker out of the, out of the chairman. Oh. <laughs> Cheers, Tubby. Beautiful. He is the star, isn't he? he is. There's no doubt about it. We've got the princess coming up, though. Izzy Westbury. We'll get to know her a little bit better uh, after the break. Uh, this is Willow Talk. Thanks to Cooper's Mild out of the best mid-strength beer that tastes like a full strength. Triple M's Willow Talk. Back soon for Cooper's Mild Ale. The best mid-strength beer that tastes like a full strength. If this show were a dismissal, it'd be a man cat. Oh, no! Triple M's Willow Talk. Liam Flanagan here, joined by Gus Wallen, uh, just a valuable ball-by-ball member of the Triple M cricket team. But, Gus, there's someone else who's been calling uh, ball-by-ball for Triple M cricket in that first test at the Gabba. And before we welcome her in, I just want to play you a little bit of audio. This is his Anus Mirabilis. Six centuries so far this this calendar year. What was that? Did you catch that one, Blue? <laughs> Anus Mirabilis. Mm. Berg? That's a new one. The opposite of his... <laughs> <laughs> got Latin lessons on today, boys. <laughs> Yeah, Blue, I've just got the two men chasing up Anus Mirabilis. Who's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did you say? You have to be very careful with how you say it. How do you pronounce it again? Anus. Hey, I'm just trying to the two men. Yeah, trying to get a rundown. <laughs> Never doubt, is he? It is a Latin, it is a Latin phrase. Uh, Gus Wall and some of the Triple M commentary team struggles with English at the best of time. Mm. And Izzy Westbury's turned up and just started lumping a second language on us during the coverage. Exactly right. Isabel Mary, Geraldine Westbury, a sports writer, a broadcaster, a lawyer. International cricketer, president of the Oxford Union, and was quoted as one of the finest uh, presidents of the Oxford Union ever. 31 years of age, but she looks younger. Hammersmith, England is where she resides. Right hand bat, off break bowler, Triple M cricket team member. The English rose between quite a few of us bindies. Izzy, welcome to Willow Talk. Ruddy foreigners coming over here <laughs> teaching, teaching you different languages. Although I always thought Australia was quite strong on their Latin mottos at schools and things, but. 
Mm. Obviously, Bluey and uh, Callum missed that bit. Yeah, and I think most of our listeners did as well. But that's what we love about you is you're very much you. And we want to welcome you to this podcast and just say that we've loved having you a part of the first test. You were a great sport. Not a lot went right for you. A little bit, a couple of hours on the third afternoon when, uh, you know, the batters got you out of trouble. But how did you enjoy your first week with Triple M Cricket? And give us your sort of thoughts on the first test. I don't think I'd said a word on Australian radio and already I was doing the rounds for trying to crawl out of the room after that. (laughs) <laughs> ruddy first baller mm. um it, it's been a baptism by fire it's been a lot of fun um despite everything that's happened on the pitch i think english uh men and women over the years have been well versed and well prepared in coming to australia knowing that it's a laugh or cry situation often from ball one um so i had that in mind i was very lucky because isha Gua gave me a good pep talk she was on the coverage uh, the last time the ashes were on and uh she, uh, she told me what to expect, so I came here with my, my eyes wide open, and I tell you what, it was even more fun than I'd imagined. That's great. Um, yeah, yeah. Is he heading into this second test? How are you feeling about England's strategy with Broad and Anderson, the, the rest of them, not play them in that first test and have them ready to go with the pink ball? Um, well, it would be nice to play them in the first place. I mean, it, it's extraordinary when you start looking at the numbers, to be honest. What have they got? Um, over 1,100 test wickets. Between them, the only two English bowlers that are ranked, so, you know, 15 and above in the ICC rankings. The, the fact that David Warner was completely in broad pocket during the 2019 Ashes, just every single, which I, we're, we're, we've got a, an audience with Joe Root later on this afternoon. So I'm sure a lot of these questions we put to him. I think, uh, yeah, a lot of English fans will just be, I think, uh, relieved when they do see those names on the, on the, on the starting lineup. And I, I can't imagine that they wouldn't be, especially after what happened in that that first test. I, was, I flew into Adelaide yesterday. It's a lovely descent that you come in and you see um, the Adelaide Oval in all its glory. And I tell you what, it was perfect conditions for bowling. Day-night test here, overcast, little, not too hot as well, but of English conditions there. The only thing that suddenly I sort of thought, oh, actually, all this hope and glory is that England should be really good at the pink ball. They should be really good at day-night tests. But their record, and although it was a short one, it's horrid. It's rubbish. They've played four day-night tests, three of them away. Every single one that's been away, they've lost. Then their one in New Zealand was the one they're out for 59 or something in the first innings. Compare this to Australia, who've played eight day-night tests, and they've won a bloody lot of them. <laughs> so this is, this is why I'm excited about Izzy Westbury's involvement with Triple M Cricket, Gus, because mm. do you know what that just told me there? She's ready. She's prepared. Oh mate! And I look at you. I know. And when are you doing your cramming for the the second test? I'm going to watch. The, I'm going to have a look through the ABC cricket book on the way great. over. Okay. Yeah. Great. Uh, Izzy, let's talk <laughs> about Joffrey Archer, a player that obviously you would love to have had here, but through injuries, not. Um, he has said, "Let's go with a five-pace attack, England." What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think he's probably right. To be honest, as you say, he's somebody that would have been so amazing to watch um, in these conditions. I mean, every time actually, Gus, that you bring up his name, I get a little like this tingle up my spine because it's like, <laughs> well, I, I just think as well to that spell against Steve Smith in the 2019 Ashes. You know, not only obviously was it just a stellar uh, competition between bat and ball, but obviously a knock on the head as well. And you think, God, this this is what cricket really can do. Um, yeah, I think so. I think, you know, Jack Leach, he, he wasn't England's slow left-arm spinner. He wasn't already offered any favours uh, in, in the time that he came in to bowl. And Warner was obviously in and gleeful that it was him instead of Broad. So many left-handers in the team, 
So you've got the ball turning into those left-handers in the Australian team. And then with the, the added sort of day-night factor and hoping that the ball will swing, I think Joffrey's probably right. And who am I to tell him that he's wrong, to be honest? I, I can't imagine seeing him play Leach this time around. Can I just ask you quickly about Joe Root? You're going to talk to him this afternoon, so it'll be interesting to hear from him. But he looked so good on that third afternoon and he looked really all at sea early doors on that fourth morning and then, of course, was out quite quickly to Cameron Green. What are the thoughts in England around Root and he just can't seem to to turn a 50 into a 100 in Australia? Yeah, I think that's a sort of albatross that sort of hung around his neck for mm. a little while. But then having said that, you know, for a long time, the, over the last year or so, it was always that he just couldn't convert 50s to 100s full stop. Yeah. And then look, look what's happened. He has had his Annas Mirabilis and has already <laughs> scored those six centuries. So I think in terms of the batting, I don't think people are too concerned about Joe Root. The main concern of the batting is that if Joe Root fails, England tend to fail. But he does seem to find a way to to kind of um, to separate his captaincy, which is obviously quite a burden at the moment, with his batting. And I guess the added incentive now that we know that Josh Hazelwood, who if, if we talk about Stuart Broad having the number over um, David Warner, Josh Hazelwood, he, he's got Joe Root out more times than any other bowler. And he's the bowler to whom Joe Root has been out more at times. Hmm. So it, I think that's, that's a, an advantage, um, whether it will be the difference, who knows? I think Cameron Green's. Got Joe Root's measure now. I think Joe Root's right. Cameron Green's oh. bunny. I think he's his bunny. I reckon if Root, <laughs> if 100 balls were delivered by Green to Root, Root yeah. would score about 70 oh, why are you so, and not get a run. Why are you so against not get a wicket, I mean. Cameron Green? I'm not against you him. You are. What I'm saying about Cameron Green is that he just he's, was just waltzed into this team. Oh, and he proved a little bit with the ball in Brisbane. Cameron but before Green. this series, he scored runs against India when you and I could have got him. Like, India was switched off. And I just don't believe that he's good enough just to be awarded oh. a, a number six spot. But so, Gus, Gus, my take on this, from like from an outside perspective, I guess, is that I think this this plays into years of history in Australia, like the, this hang up about having that that elusive all rounder. Correct. So I think with England, you know, like they found their Ben Stokes. You can argue Chris Wokes is there, and like our, our all rounders go down in folklore almost. Whereas I think with Australia, you know, you look at the Marsh brothers and Glenn Maxwell and trying all these different combinations, and no one's quite. We Australia haven't managed to quite find the one that is just like amazing at all disciplines. You've got something obviously amazing, amazing bus, but there's this, this idea I think that Australia needs an all rounder. Mm. Green's only what 22 that he's been sort of drafted into this role almost prematurely, but he does he does look a decent bowler. I think mm. I I mean I think he's all right. Exactly. Yeah, he, he certainly proved that in Brisbane. There's right. no doubt. And you look around our commentary box and there's like legends everywhere, aren't they? Going Green's the bloke for the next ten years. I'm going. Okay, I'll get back. I'll get back in my <laughs> but box. That's why you're there. That's why you're there, Gus, to give the the punters perspective as okay. part of the Triple M commentary. Because guess who our listeners are? Punters. punters. Exactly. exactly. Uh, now, Izzy, I, I do need to give you the heads up because you've flown into Adelaide. It's my hometown, beautiful city, picturesque. Oh, but in in this second test, for however many days it lasts, be prepared for the jostling for the King of Adelaide title within the Triple M commentary team because you've oh, got... King of Adelaide? Yes, wow. well, you've got Cal Ferguson, who's yeah. probably the Isn't most recent lovely? king, the captain of the state, and then you've got Greg Blewett, who is a genuine mm-hmm. legend of South Australian cricket, and then you've got Brayshaw, who will tell you <laughs> that he's the king of South Australian cricket and mm. and the town for the most part. Uh, so just be prepared that there will be some 
some jostling, some big noting. You'll you'll have. I think you have to, to live in Adelaide to be the king of Adelaide. So Whoa. JB's out. Whoa. So you got you got basically the twins. You know, I mean, well, I, I never got a, been. I got a, a taste of this when I made. I don't know if you can call it the mistake, but I made the mistake of commenting on Alex Carey's wicket keeping and how wonderful it was, and mm. the fact that you know eight eight catches behind the wicket test record, and oh my goodness, I might as well stop talking after that. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, I love him. The Adelaide loving came in into full force. With Trav Head as well now. And now that oh, Trav Head, yeah. I mean, this, Mate, this is South Australian. When he got 150, the boys were like oh, yes. very, very exciting. And it was great for everyone because I suppose he is someone, I spoke to Labajan on the morning after the 150 and he goes, he's batted all that way through like under 15s, under 16. So that's what we know he can do. Yeah. Now he's freed up. He's in for the series then hopefully we'll see more of Travis Head because we need that spot. You know, that number five spot has got to be locked down because our openers have got some doubt over them. Six looks okay now, but Green needs to get runs. He can't be letting balls through and get knocked over first oh, ball. Right. But let, it, <laughs> let, let Cameron Green <laughs> just be Cameron Green, guys. Okay, mate. Adelaide Oval, the best cricket ground in Australia. This day-night test will be an absolute spectacle. Hey, uh, hold on. What, what did you say? It's the best, ticket, best cricket ground in Australia. It's not even an argument. What about the MCG? What about no, the SCG? No, MCG is a football wrong with ground. You? MCG is a football Where ground. Where do you live? I live now, in Sydney. Yeah, exactly. Gus, I don't, Gus, I don't want to say that I've been sort of, you know, drunk in the Kool-Aid or anything. But <laughs> I, I tell you, you know, Adelaide with this grassy bank, a bit of character, the mm. sunset over. I mean, I like the MCG, don't get me wrong. And it's amazing. It's absolutely heaving. But it looks identical whether, anywhere you sit. Yeah, it's like, exactly it's just right. It's a big he... circle. I mean, How about you two get a room? <laughs> How about we do that? Well, there's some, there's plenty of fantastic hotels in Adelaide. That's the fantastic. You're staying thing at the ground. Adelaide. Are you staying in the, at the ground at the moment? Is is it is it just looking? How's the rooms Not, looking? We we're joining you tomorrow. No, no, I'm going to come and join. I'm going to come over tomorrow. In the moment, I'm over the road, but I can see it. Um, the park where Adelaide is, Adelaide Oval is, and the tennis centre and everything it is. It's looking pretty gorgeous. That right, city we'll see will you tomorrow, come alive with this second test. Izzy Westbury, thank you for coming on Willow Talk, and we will hear you on Thursday with the rest of the Triple M cricket crew. It's been a pleasure. Triple M's Willow Talk. Back soon for Cooper's Mild Ale, the best mid-strength beer that tastes like a full strength. The show that thinks you should be able to run on a dead ball. We can do what we like. Triple M's Willow Talk. This is Willow Talk. Thanks to Cooper's Mild Ale, the best mid-strength beer that tastes like a full-strength. Liam Flanagan and Gus Wallen here. We're bringing you some cricket chat in between the ashes just to break up the cricket coverage. Gus, we've had Mark Taylor, we've had Izzy Westbury, and now mm. we bring in... Uh, now, now the big gun. Uh, now, well, now we bring in the big hit of the man. Willow Talk captain. Calls it like he sees it and <laughs> yeah. did throughout the series. He said that David Warner in that first innings, when he picked up the knock, he said that is that is a genuine concern, and then we didn't see Dave Warner for the rest of the series. Uh, he's demanded that Jai Richardson be be picked for this second test in Adelaide. So let's that, bring... I think that's been locked in as well. Well, let's welcome him in. Brad Haddon. G'day, Hads. Morning, boys. How you going? Mate, we're good, Hads. It was obviously a good result up there in Brisbane, and uh, but just strange by the pommies there. Whole selection, deciding to have a bowl, have, have a bat on a green deck. What, what were your thoughts about that whole test match? Yeah, it was a really strange uh, test match from, from even a couple of days out when they, they pulled James Anderson out. Then, then when Joe Root won the toss and decided to bat first, um, it was just a really strange opening to it to an Ashes campaign. I, I know traditionally you bat first at, at the Gabba, but th- these conditions were different. There was there was a lot of overhead conditions. The wicket had a bit more grass on it than normally you would. It just looks like to me that they missed the trick, um, trying to save their bowlers up for the Adelaide Test. But you, you can't do that in, a, in an Ashes campaign. You've got to play what's in front of you, and I think they missed the real trick there. 
Just, I mean, I, I look at that from a an Australian batsman perspective, and depending on whether we bat first or second, I can't imagine the. And I, these are very experienced fast bowlers, mind you, and Anderson and Broad. But I can't imagine the pressure that they must be feeling. We're one nil down. Neither of us have bowled a ball in anger yet, and if we, for some reason, don't start hot, the pressure just doubles on these two blokes. Yeah, it's got, it's, it does double. It's going to be interesting that yes, they're class acts and they've got eleven hundred wickets between them, but. That's, that's not their problem. It's their batting. They created enough chances up at the Gabba to, to be competitive in that game with the ball. Um, so it's their batting that they've got to have a look at. Um, Ollie Pope looked okay in the first innings, but played a, a bit of a rash shot to line in the second. Rory Burns' technique's going to be... It's going to be questioned here in this Adelaide test. Yes, he's mentally strong and he can get through those moments, but can he stand up to the class of a pink ball test of Australia? So... It's great to have Anderson Broad coming in, but I don't think that's going to fix their problems. I think they need to have a look at their batting. Izzy said uh, earlier, mate, that if you look at uh, England's record at the pink ball test, they've played four, they've they've lost three. They won one in New Zealand. Australia won all their pink ball tests. So it's not just a given that England are going to play better with the pink ball. Yeah, I, I don't think Australia allowed them to, to play better also. M- Mitchell Stark is absolute genius with uh, this pink ball uh, the interesting one is Hazelwood out. Um, on the surface, to me, I, I just I don't think it'll make that big a difference. I, I know that's a, a big call, but mm. I, I don't think these Australian bowlers could have got through five tests anyway. We've seen last summer how they declined rapidly at the, the back end of the series against India. So I hope Hazelwood's right for, for Melbourne. I hope this is just a niggle. And to have Jai Richardson up your sleeve, who will do an outstanding job in the in the pink test with, with the way his wrist, wrist is, he can swing the ball both ways. It actually might work out as a blessing in disguise. If you can play Richardson here, you've got a fret, fresh Josh Hazelwood on a much tougher bowling conditions in Melbourne. So it might work in Australia's favour. If you think about it from the perspective that Job Richardson would probably walk into this English lineup at the moment. So for Australia to be able to bring him in as the replacement bowler, but what, but what about Nessa? Nessa got six for in the in, in the uh, Lions game against Australia, eh? I mean, he's right up there as well. I mean, mm. Richardson deserves his spot, and being 12th man, obviously, he's in front. But mm. we've got a couple of really good replacements there. Yeah. Now, Hads, I've got to ask you, because Gus here has already been – he did it first time round on Willow Talk. He said Cameron Green basically didn't deserve his spot. And and already oh, here we go. today, he's wound up and said, still not convinced by the bloke. Can you just put it to bed once and for all for, <laughs> for Angus here that Cameron Green owns number six for at least the next five years? Yeah, I'm just trying to get my head around that. He's six foot four, blonde haired, blue eyed, bowls 145 Ks, and he's 22 years of age, and he bats like a genius. So. Oh, yeah. Let's the first ball go and gets cleaned up. What are you talking <laughs> mate, about, Ads? Mate, I'm telling you, this kid, he, mate, I think he could be in a future Australian captain. We've we seen last summer he, he didn't get a wicket, but we've seen a little bit of him during this test match. This kid started as a, as a fast bowl, opening the bowl for WA. I, I just think with the team we have at the moment, he's someone just that you leave him there and just let him go. Um, we've seen him develop, guys. <laughs> yeah, we've got to let him go. We, we traditionally put the young kid at number six. We did it with Ricky Ponting. 
Um, and guys like that, Michael Clark started there. Remember them, Gus? The order. Remember You're them? saying the Cameron Greens in the same conversation as Michael Clark and Ricky Bonney. No, what Brad Haddon is saying, a bloke who's played 66 tests for Australia, <laughs> is that he's on Mate. the same development path as those two guys. 100%. We can, we can put him in this cocoon of the Australian test side and let him to develop into our Andrew Flintoff, and you want to ax the bloke. <laughs> now, Liam... <laughs> You've had something for Brecky today, and I want a slice of it. Um, Hads, let's talk, let's talk about the keeper because we didn't talk about the keeper because he did such a great job. Um, what were your thoughts on Carey? Oh, I thought Carey was outstanding. And the, the best thing about it is what you said there. We, we didn't talk about him. Um, he went unnoticed. He took eight catches, which is a, a record on debut by, by a wicket keeper. But the, the thing I was most impressed with, yeah, he, he, got, he got a dream debut at the Gabba with – Nice conditions and the ball carrying through, but how he kept to Nathan Lyon. I think he only missed glove one ball from Nathan Lyon. Um, he understood what Lyon was trying to do. He was clean, and that to me was the the biggest plus for Kerry. How he coped with Lyon, and even with his batting, he only got a dozen runs, but he looked comfortable. Um, and yeah, he's going to love going back to Adelaide. He couldn't have his family up there for his first test in Brisbane because of uh, border restrictions, so. He goes to his home track. There's going to be so much support there for, for our Alex Carey. And I was just super, super proud of him, the, the way he just slotted straight into to that role. Number 34, test keeper for Australia. And, yeah, I, I think we've got a keeper. Yeah, he's fantastic. Let's talk about Nathan Lyon before we let you go, Hads. Um, 399 for so long. And then, you know, just like a London bus, you know, you wait for him all day, then four of them come along. I mean, brilliant for him. Everyone's reaction to him. The crowd love him. Uh, I know you had a lot to do with him and you're personally good mates. Uh, how did you feel when he got that 400th and then went on with it and cleaned up the England uh, innings? Yeah, it's been a long time coming. And it's one of those milestones that, well, not, not that I've been there, but he, he could see weight on his shoulders. He was actually just trying too hard to, to get that 400 test wicket. We've we seen when he, when he did get it, you've seen the excitement um, around his teammates. He, he's a popular member of the team. He leads the song. He would have been the drunkest Australian after that <laughs> test match as well, which is a, always a good sign. But once he got that 400, he just relaxed. Mate, he got his line right then too. He went a bit outside the eyes of the, the right-handers back off stump to challenge both sides of the bat. He's a little bit straight um, on the first few days, but he, he was outstanding. Once he took that 400th wicket and, and the role he plays, England don't have the luxury of having someone that they can shut the scoreboard down and rotate their quicks from the other end. England going to have a problem whether they play a spinner or go in with four quicks at Adelaide. So they've got some tough choices, but line outstanding. And not just outstanding, but this is a guy who is pushing up into the rare air of world test bowlers because he's currently 17th all time. He, he took the 400th wicket, 403. He's got a bloke by the name of Kirtley Ambrose, two wickets ahead of him on the list. Then it's Wazim Akram. Then it's Harbhajan Singh. Then it's Pollock. Then it's Ashwin. He is getting up into the legends mm. of test cricket. And by the looks of him, Hads, I mean, he can push on for at least a couple more years yet. Yeah, 100%. The, the one thing with Nathan Lyon, he looks 63. Um, <laughs> but he, he, he's, he, he's, a, he's a good athlete for a, for a spinner. Um, and, and he's great to have around the team. And, and at the moment, you, you've got Swepson and Tambi Sanger. They, they still need more time to develop. So Nathan Lyon, mate, he's a, he's a great member of, of this team. But I heard a funny thing. This, the new Australian uh, skipper said Pat Cummins to him. He's a bit down in the change room. And Paddy goes... 
mate, I'd rather be on 399 test wickets trying to get your fourth than having to get your first. So pull your head in and let's get on with this. So how good's that? Yeah, oh, I love that. Good on you, Pat. Good on your hads. I'm looking forward to having you as part of the team. Obviously, which starts in Adelaide on Thursday for the second test match, the pink ball test. And, uh, mate, you're an absolute legend. Thanks for joining us again on Willow Talk. Enjoy your day, boys. See ya. Very Will nice do. work, Brad Haddon. Gus Wallen, we are finished. That is Willow Talk done. Uh, leading into the second test in Adelaide, mm. when do you when do you fly out? When do you land in the beautiful city? Well, I'm hoping to get to the airport the same time as Tubbs. Right. So I'm going to be ho- like sort of hanging around the sort of the area where you put your yeah. uh, your luggage in mm. um, around about midday tomorrow. Right. Just just coattailing your way into oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, JB took me into the one in Adelaide last time. That was the Virgin Lounge. It's literally like you wave your hand over this sort of glass area that just looks like a wall. And then like a wax on, wax off situation, the door opens and in you go and they can have, you can have whatever you want. I had Merv Hughes with me. Merv had the uh, sushi from Sushi Hero from the food court and continued to eat that as JB and I had like... Proper steaks and salads and chips can I, arrive. Can I suggest yeah. if you can, if this is a place that you can get into and you can have whatever you want? Yeah, yeah. Stay out. Why? I think you should just stay out, mate. Why? I think you should just go and grab a bottle of water, grab a salad, <laughs> just sit in. Do the, I look like I ate salad? Uh, well, no, this is my point. <laughs> this is very much my point. All right, that is Willow Talk done. Uh, thanks to Cooper's Mild Ale, the mid-strength, that tastes like a full strength. Have Gus we had a few Wallen. of those too at the end of oh, yeah, uh, day four? Yeah, so. I can imagine. And I hope that there's a few more to be had after this well, second test Cooper's in are in Adelaide, aren't they? So you, we're going to have a little night are. with them. So we'll let you know about it on Willow Talk oh, before hey. the Boxing Day test. I feel some very big moments coming for you in this test. I feel them. I hope so. I do. Be ready because they're coming. Thank you. And preparation prevents (laughs) this poor performance, Gussie. Just be ready to roll. See you, brother. Triple M's Willow Talk has been dismissed. Keep walking, boy! (laughs) And remember, you can stream every ball of Triple M rocking the ashes by downloading the listener app.